0: The awaits, don't go changing to try and please me. September 15th, 2021, The Inspiration. But you know that when the truth is told that you can get what you wanna, you can just get old. You're gonna kick off before you even get halfway through. Ooh. When will you realize Vienna waits for you. Billy Joel, Vienna. As a kid, I would go to my friend Shannon's house and her mom had lots of albums. But the one I remember specifically is the vinyl of Billy Joel's The Stranger. I remember looking at the cover, a black and white image of Billy on an unmade bed, staring down at a mask lying on a pillow next to him. It was some years later, when I was in high school, that I bought the album myself and listened to it over and over and over again. I'm listening to it now as I write this, and it's still a solid album. Fame and success may have warped Billy over the years, but The Stranger remains, to me, the best album ever made. But the song that spoke to me back when I was 16, and the song that still speaks to me now, is Vienna. Where's the fire, what's the hurry about you better? Cool it off before you burn it out. You've got so much to do and only so many hours in the day. Hey. I've never had the patience to wait for what was coming. I raced toward my future, bored with where I was and busting at the seams to get to the next big thing. Vienna, to me, is a shorthand term for all of the things I wanted to do or to be, that I couldn't wait to do or to be. I don't know if I believe in fate or destiny, but the idea that Vienna waits for you, that what is yours will be yours when it is time, and until then burning rubber and smoking your tires reaching for an inevitable future that will show up only when it's good and ready is just a waste of energy. I still do it. I have no patience. Even now, in the back nine of middle age and staring at the first nine of flat-out old, I'm consistently leaning forward, anxious for the next thing. And sometimes that means I miss out on what's pretty great right now. I don't know if I'll ever change. I don't know if I can. But maybe while I'm leaning forward into the next big adventure, I can look around a bit too and appreciate the now a bit more. I'd settle for that. The fat orange cat. Have a spider drop from the ceiling and land on your antagonist. For extra fun, give them a spider phobia. The trope. As you know, Mary. I've said pretty often that tropes are not bad in and of themselves. Just because something isn't new doesn't mean it doesn't work great. Most tropes are absolutely value neutral. And the reason they get used so much is because they're so effective. But sometimes a trope gets used a lot because it's an easy, if an elegant way for a writer to do something they need to do. And they're either too inexperienced or, and pardon me for this whopping bit of judgment, too lazy to do it right. As you know, Mary, A-Y-K-M is one of those tropes. For those of you who don't know, A-Y-K-M dialogue is when one character explains something out loud to another character even though that other character already knows everything the first character is talking about. This is done so that the author can convey this information to the reader. As you know, Mary is generally not great, but what if you could take a bad trope and turn it around? Is there a way for you to use as-you-know-mary dialogue for a story reason that doesn't include the need to inform an audience, even an in-text audience? I mean, that's the easy one, right? Your characters want someone to know something, and they know that someone is listening, so they do awkward AYKM dialogue to get the message across. It's narratively legit, but I feel like there's also a usage of AYKM that doesn't just transpose the exposition from an extra receiver, the reader, to an in-text receiver. What do you think? Can A-Y-K-M be redeemed? How might you make that work? The Question This week, I'd like to take a moment and say thank you. I've gotten letters from some of you that weren't questions at all, but appreciation for what I do here at Dear Writer, and I want to send that appreciation back to you. I had a blog about 11 years ago in which I wrote like this. I was going through my first divorce, I was publicly vulnerable about it, I was living on the river in Ohio with my best friend at the time who was kind of a big deal in romance writing and who had given me a soft place to fall. It was during that vulnerable time that the sociopath found me and groomed me and… well, you know. But after that experience, every bit of which ended badly, I didn't want to do this again. I started Dear Writer as a place where I could share what I knew and more and more it's become a place where I also share what I don't know. I don't think I can help it. I grew up in a home where we pretended there wasn't a pervading darkness present all the time. I was taught never to trust my own read on things because at any moment my read could conflict with my mother's fantasy and I would pay for getting it wrong. I always needed someone else's opinion, an objective third party who could point me to the place where reality was. That made me easy pickings for the sociopath. They make their meals of people who will allow them to shape reality into a pretty little prison. There's something about being brutally honest about everything that, to me, I think feels like some kind of inoculation against falling into that trap again. I trust myself more now. I listen to that voice inside that tells me when something's not right. But still, sharing everything with you all still feels like a balm and a release. And when you take the time to tell me how this sharing helps you too, it means a great deal. Thank you. Practical. I watched Netflix's new Sandra Oh series, The Chair, and I really enjoyed it. It was fun, funny, touching, and incredibly relatable. While I have yet to watch Sandra Oh in anything where I didn't fucking love her, I also loved everyone else. Holland Taylor is 78 and bringing it. The other Duplass brother is charming when he's let out on his own. I have this thing about listening to people speak a foreign language. I find it so lovely to listen to human sounds when my brain isn't occupied divining meaning. It's like music, and Korean is one of my favorite languages to listen to, so in those scenes I listened first without reading the subtitles, and then watched again and took in the context. I work at a university, and while my school is not as steeped in the old world as liberal arts college English department might be, I recognize the very specific academic bent to the political machinations and the tendency for things to fall apart whenever anyone tries to do the right thing. What I loved about it, though, was how fun the ordinary can be in stories. There was nothing supernatural, nothing hyperbolic about the story. Aside from one highly improbable celebrity encounter. But aside from that, everything that happened in that show were the kinds of things that I've seen happen with colleagues and friends. That's the wonderful thing about stories. They can be fantastical, and they can make the ordinary fascinating. Highly recommended. Everything, L. Productivity rabbit hole. Does it actually help? I don't know. Let me check the 45 apps I just downloaded and get back to you. September 18th, 2021. Dear writer, I've been watching a lot of productivity videos this week. I'm a fairly productive person. I don't feel like I'm lacking in accomplishment but I've got a lot to do in the coming months and I like having systems when I'm gonna do a thing. So I went on the hunt for some suggestions and came across this guy named Ali Abdal on TikTok. I'll admit at first he seemed like just another scammy, make $8,000 a minute because internet dude, but there was something about him that seemed genuine. So I followed him to his YouTube channel and fell down a productivity rabbit hole. For days, I mean, you guys, I have been downloading apps and organizing my thoughts and building Trello boards and clean all the things. I mean, I wasn't literally cleaning. My house is still a fucking mess, but you know what I'm getting at. I have a lot of work to do in the coming months. I have my day job and my media company, but I also have to finish the House Story Works book by October 15th, hand that off to my editor slash best friend, get everything ready for the various avenues of self-publishing, record the audiobook for Audible, all by January when that bastard is going to be out for sale. Once and for all, done. And in there, I have a image of the uh, cover for How Story Works with a caption that says, here's the book cover Kelly told me not to design until I was done writing. I still need to tweak the language, but overall, I don't know. What do you think? So if you want to give me your opinion on that, go and find it in the uh, Dear Writer feed, I guess, is what it is. I don't know. And in November, I think I'm going to be doing nano inspiration videos, maybe on TikTok. Quick little inspirations and tips and etc. I'm writing those now, so they're all ready to go then. I don't know how TikTok works exactly, but if you want to follow me, I'm at Lonnie Diane Rich. But you know what's weird? I'm not overwhelmed. Not in the slightest. Dr. Jones kicked my ass on the phone last week and told me to get it together and write this book and do all the things I've been afraid to do for the last few years, and we pulled together a rough sketch of a plan and a timeline, and suddenly my overwhelm just melted away. Which makes me wonder a bit about overwhelm, that maybe it's not about how much we have to do, but how we feel about what we have to do. I'm excited about all of this. I'm excited about getting this goddamn book finally done. I'm excited about doing videos on YouTube again. I'm excited about friggin' TikTok, if you can believe that. Arguably, all of these plans will take more time and energy than what I was doing before when I found it ridiculously taxing just thinking about getting out of bed in the morning. Now, for some reason, with a workload that's easily doubled from what I had before, I'm somehow ready to go. I mean, I'm not looking this gift horse in the mouth or anything. I'm going to ride this wave as far as it'll take me. And from there, I'll claw and scrape my way to the end if I have to. But right now, I'm feeling pretty good. So I'm doing this thing. I'm doing it with systems and strategies and random ideas and a lot of coffee. The next three months are going to be the start of a big thing for me, and I'm going to need you guys. I'm going to need you to cheer me on when I get exhausted. I'm going to need you to retweet and follow and like and subscribe and tell your friends. I'm going to need you to come to my Saturday Create Alongs. What's a create-along? Glad you asked. From 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern time every Saturday starting September 25th and going at least until my deadline, I'm going to host live create-alongs on YouTube where I write this goddamn book live, 25 minutes working, and then a five-minute break where I chat with whoever's there with me. Do you have a project you'd like to finish? Doesn't have to be a book. Are you knitting a sweater, painting a picture, making costumes for your kids' school play? Perfect. You qualify. Subscribe to my YouTube channel for notifications. Trust me. It'll be fun. Everything. L.